0: guys, good morning. Um, I, I can't live with that. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. I need, need that a little bit. Thank you. Good to see you here today. And uh, I want to cycle back a little bit. I want to go back to something that Neil um, read up here about five minutes ago. If you were listening to that passage, it's this amazing passage out of the New Testament that talks about, um, well, life, God, how he communicates. And I just want to circle back to that for a minute and focus in on the first part of it. Here's what it says For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, let's not miss the first sentence in like a half of this. That's really what I want to draw out today. The word of God is living and active, central to Christianity and ancient Judaism, is the idea that God speaks. That he's not a mute idol, that God isn't just some philosophical idea, that he isn't an impersonal force, that he's an actual personal being who has something to say. And what he has to say is important and so what hebrews does this this book in the new testament is it says that when god speaks it's living and active because what the bible will often do is talk about the way god speaks as his Word. It'll refer to God's message as his word. That always kind of gave me a little bit of pause. I grew up in church world. And in church world, there would always be these, these portions in the service where someone would go, and this is the word of the Lord. And, and it made it sound so formal and stilted. And I don't want you to think about it that way. I simply want you to think about this. God has something to say. There's something God wants you to know. That God wants to talk to you and what he wants to say to you is important. And the Bible will often refer to those messages of God as his word. Now, I'd like to unpack the metaphor here a little bit today that it uses. Where it talks about how, how God's message, what he has to say to you, that it's alive, that it's active, that it's on the prowl, that it's not just just dusty words of history forgotten long ago. And it compares it to a double-edged sword. Now, I brought some of my toys in today, and we're just gonna kind of walk through some of these. All right? Now we're gonna start with this. What we have is a club. And you know, I found you can do some real damage. With a club, I found it hurts really, really bad to get hit with a club. And I've also found this: a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that the only fighting surface of a club is this striking distance near the end. It's effective to be sure, but the tip and the pommel can also be used very effectively. Coming in like this, coming around like this, the entire weapon can be used, well, as a weapon. But you know what I found? That is, no matter how hard you strike with a club like this, no matter how hard you strike with a club like this, it doesn't really get inside the person. You know what I mean? It crushes, it bruises, it can break, it hurts, but it doesn't really penetrate. It's fascinating to me that the Word of God is not compared to a club, something that bludgeons and beats. God's message is never meant to be something that bludgeons others or beats you. God's Word is not a club. Which brings us to the machete. Now, a machete is designed to hack and to slash. And it does it very well. Indiscriminately, you can go into a jungle, or at least so I'm told. I've never had the personal experience, but we've all seen Indiana Jones, right? And you go into the jungle, and you can just clear that path. Whatever is in your way, it's hacked and slashed out of the way. And... You could, arguably, if the machete was sharp enough, stab with a two. But you know, it's not really designed to do that. It doesn't stab well, and here's the reason why. Because if you're looking at this, on one edge, you have the sharpened blade, but on the other edge, it's remained blunt, dull. So that even though the tip may be sharp enough to penetrate, it gets stuck as soon as you get it in because what this edge does is creates friction. It creates drag. It binds up. It's fascinating to me that the word of God is not a machete, a single-edge blade. It's not designed to sit there and hack and slash a path before it. Now, the, the author of Hebrews Describes it as something different. Describes it as this. A two-edged sword. Now, I will stay off the bat that the writer of the Hebrews never had this specific kind of sword in mind because this one's a piece of junk. Um, it really wouldn't be good for anything except like looking cool on your wall and going, oh man, you got a sword? But you never want to fight with this thing. It's not balanced, it's not heavy, but if you can, or it is heavy, but if you could give me just an extension of imagination to think about what a two-edged weapon happens to do. Because unlike the machete, it doesn't have drag. It doesn't have resistance on the one side. And so that while it can be used like that or like that, It can also, especially if it was a bit shorter, be used like that. And when this comes into you, it goes in quick, it goes in efficiently, it goes in deep because it's two-edged. It's slicing on both sides. It penetrates. This is why two-edged knives are illegal to carry today. Because they're not utilitarian. They're not really used for things like cutting rope or opening a box. They're used to, well penetrate. And in my experience, when God speaks, it penetrates. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It has this uncanny way, and that's going to fall if I put it up there. It has this uncanny way of piercing the soul—it's—it's it, it, it's weird, and I can't describe it. Those of you who have experienced this—I I don't need to—but doesn't it it has this way of—it gets in you. It, it's like ah, oh. it—it it gets in you. It has this way of, of getting into you so deeply, so personally, so intimately that it can only be described as even having the 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 the, the surgical precision of piercing and separating soul from spirit. You ever see a surgeon do that today? Now let's dissect the soul from the spirit. It it doesn't happen, but the word of God has a way of getting so personal and deep inside that it penetrates even in that way. God has something to say. And it's alive and it's active. And it has this funny way of piercing, of penetrating. And you know, the thing is, I find that a lot of people want to hear God today. They want that word from him that's, that is alive, that is active, that feels alive, that feels active, but often in the process have a very hard time discerning what he has to say People who are like, like, is this God planting this thought? Is this God kind of speaking to me in that still, small voice? Or is it just me speaking to me in this still, small voice? Is it God speaking to me through these, these signs and omens that I'm trying to read in the world around me? Or is it just signs and omens for their own sake, things I'm reading into them that aren't intended to be there at all. I find that people want to hear what God has to say to them personally. A question they have, a crisis they're facing, a set of choices that are before them. It's like, Lord, I just want to know. I find for some other people, they just want to hear his voice because they want the assurance that he's there They just want that assurance that, Lord, you're still talking today. You're still on this playing field called life, and I just need to hear it. I find for other people, it's really often nothing more than just wanting to enjoy that personal, intimate presence with God. Just just having conversation for conversation's sake, and being able to talk to him like a friend, but also being able to hear and all the intimacy that entails. But I find that whatever the motive, that that for so many people, it gets so hard to hear what God is saying. In these next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about this strange juxtaposition where, where the Bible is filled with these testimonies that God is, is alive and he speaks. And when he speaks, his word is living and active. And yet, on the other hand, it seems so hard for us to discern or to hear what he's actually saying. But today, what I want to do is I want to take you into this question, this, this, this topic of hearing God in a very specific way. And where I want to take you today is to an often unread book that you'll find at the end of the New Testament. It's a book called Hebrews. It's filled with so many amazing things, but at some core kind of level is a book about this this God who speaks, about hearing God and listening, listening to what he has to say. Now, all through this month of December, we're going to have this faith challenge where we're going to ask people to read through this, this book or letter to the Hebrews on your own in a day-to-day kind of way. But what I want to do today is give you a bit of a roadmap because it can get really easy in the Bible to lose the forest for the sake of the trees, to get lost with where things are going because the details can get so confusing. Today, I want to kind of give you a, a navigational chart to help you Read this message in the New Testament that's often forgotten. That's all about hearing God speak. So that hopefully by doing so, you're tuned in a little more clearly. You can see it a little more clearly. You can discern a little bit better what God is actually saying. So let's jump in. This little, often unread letter, penned anonymously, called Hebrews, at least according to those who study this kind of thing, seems to be structured around the style and form of a Jewish homily, the kind of message or sermon that you would have got in, in, in one of the synagogues in Jesus' day. And not just one, but it seems to be five Jewish homilies that may have even been constructed together by this this artist who put together this book, a sermon series of the first century world, if you will. Each week may be hitting on a different topic coming from this Jewish messianic perspective. And five times it revolves around this this call, this, this message. And the message is this. Listen. Listen up. Open your ears, hear. God is speaking. Five times it comes again and again. Listen to what God is telling you. He has got something so important for you to hear. He has got something so important to say. Let me let you hear Hebrews in its own words. It says things like this. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. It says this. So, as the Holy Spirit says today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It says this. We have much to say, and it's, it's hard to explain, Read Hebrews, you'll find out. But it says we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. It says this, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Five times this refrain will come about with, with, with different language but the same theme. Listen up, God is speaking. He's got something to say. And the difficulty it seems to say is not that God isn't communicating. It's that we've stopped listening, that we've hardened our hearts, that we've ceased to pay attention, that we're no longer tuned in to what he's saying. Man, I found that to be so true. I have found it has become so easy for me to kind of change the dial on God. You know what it reminds me of is like old classic radio. Does anyone here like actually listen to like radio in your car anymore? I don't mean a podcast. I don't even mean satellite. But like remember like old school pre-digital where you had like those dials and you'd like sit there and you're like driving with one hand and you're kind of, come on baby, come on. And you know, you're trying to kind of hone that sucker in. Those of you over the age of 40, you know exactly what I mean, right? It's almost like the message that Hebrews is trying to convey is that God's messages on the airways were just not tuned in. Because we have this propensity, don't we? I do. To get so easily distracted. Or worse, to put up so many defenses. To Thicken my skin and thicken my heart to put on my armor, if you will, so that God's word doesn't easily penetrate in. But this message from the writer to the Hebrews is this. Listen up. Pay attention. God is speaking. Hear what he has to say, And what this writer to the Hebrews will say again and again in this context is that what God has said in Jesus is by far superior to anything else God has ever had to say. That what God has done in Jesus is superior to what God has ever done before and therefore what God is communicating through Jesus beats hands down anything else God has ever had to say. Let me show you what I mean. And I'll give this to you from Hebrews. Let's make a list. Let's, let's think about a list. Let's think about a list if you think of the record of, of God speaking in the Bible, of all the various kinds of ways that God has spoken to his people of old. Are you starting to make a mental list of your own yet? Those instances, those episodes, those stories, those occurrences, you know, when God would speak, what it would look like, what it would sound like, what it would feel like, what it must have been like, hearing God speak in those kinds of ways. Here's Hebrews lists. It says this, well, that God spoke through angels, that he would send messengers, Jewish tradition will hold that that even the covenants were mediated through angels, and you could see record of this again and again throughout the Bible of God sending these these heavenly messengers, that's all angel means as messenger, to bring the message God wants to say. Wouldn't you like love to be there for that? You ever like think of those like Christmas story episodes where it's like, you know, you're Mary or you're Joseph, and like angels are popping? It's like, what does that actually look like? What would that actually be like? And even for the skeptics among us, if if you'd entertain that that might actually be something that could happen, that it was actually something that was true, wouldn't you love to see something like that? What does Hebrews say? As cool as that is, what God is saying through Jesus is superior by far. You could see that God spoke to Adam in very direct ways. This first human, giving him a, a A mandate, a mission, a command. Speaking to him of the relationship between them and and what God's plan was for him. And through Adam, also through all his creation. Paul will even write that 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 creation hums. It vibrates. There's a frequency going through it that, that God communicates through to this day. But even better than what God says through this world and to the people of this world, what he says in Jesus' is so much superior that God spoke through Moses, that he chose prophets that he would meet with face to face, that these people, Moses, I love the story, when he meets with God, he's forever changed. His, his, his face glows. He has to start wearing like a veil because he's blind in people from like the after effect of being in the throne room of God, the presence of God. And yet not even what God said through Moses can compare And you can go on through the message we have in the scriptures, through the priests who were intermediaries on God's behalf, who communicated from God to the people and from the people to God what God had done through Abraham, what God had spoken through the covenants, what God had shown of himself through the tabernacle and the temple, what God demonstrated through the sacrifices, what God spoke through Israel, what God did at Mount Sinai with thunder and fire and billows of smoke and voices that are that all of it pales in comparison to what God says in Jesus. And of course, we could add to the list things like still small voices, dreams, visions, signs that all of it pales in comparison to what God has said through Jesus. Let me allow Hebrews to speak for itself. Look at how it opens. In the past, God has spoken to our forefathers through the prophets and many times and in various ways. But in these last days, in the now, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. It goes on. It says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That when you see him, you see God. And he's sustaining all things by his powerful word. It says that after he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven and so he became And here's the key word to bring you through. Better. That what God has done in Jesus is better. That what God communicates through Jesus is better. That hearing God is better when you look to Jesus than any of the other ways, again and again, better, 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 better. It permeates this letter from beginning to end, which I think speaks to those of us here who've been so inclined to seek God in other ways, especially those of us maybe who in this room might not consider ourselves Christian, or who may be somewhat new to this, this, this 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 belief, this faith, where we've been so inclined to look to all different kinds of things, looking to ourselves and how we make sense of the world, looking to the, the great philosophers of the day, the scientists of our age to try to figure out how the cosmos hums and ticks. Looking to our counselors and our therapists figure out our souls, looking to the world around us, listening to to the voices in our head and in our heart and looking to the signs. And and the message to the Hebrews simply says this, God is speaking, but there's a better way, a clearer way. It's in Jesus. God has something important to say, and you're going to find it. In him. I think it also has something to say to those of us who are entrenched Christians, who have been playing the Christian game for a long time, and quite honestly, we become bored with the answer of Jesus. It's like, oh, I know it, right? Okay, it's found in Jesus. But secretly in our hearts, we're still listening for the still small voices. We're still asking for the signs. If God would just open and close doors, we might say. And looking in all these other ways when God is like, listen, no, I'm talking to you. Don't miss it because it's familiar. What I have to say to you, what I have to show to you in Jesus is better by far. And we know it, don't we? but then we don't even bother to memorize even one or two lines of what he had to say. Let alone begin to conform our lives to his way, his story, his character, and really draw the richness of what God has communicated in his son. No, the message to the Hebrews is this, God, he's speaking in his word, it's alive. It's active. It is today. God has something so good and important to say, and if you would just listen. Look to my son and listen. You will hear so deeply with such resonance what it is I'm saying. You know, there's so many people who accuse God of being deaf, mute. There are so many people who accuse God of being mute. But the message to the Hebrews seems to be that we're deaf, that we're just not really tuning in. And so my hope for you, my encouragement for you, is to maybe resurrect the idea in your soul, if you've given up on it, that God is speaking and he's got something to say about the universe but also to you and the way that you're going to find what God is saying is by looking to his son. So if you want more, I encourage you to read the book of Hebrews and let God speak and poise yourself in such a way that hopefully, just maybe, what God is saying can pierce the defenses and that you can hear again, hear anew. Or hear for the very first time what God is saying to you. So I'm going to invite the band to come back forward. And as they start to get, you know, plugged in up here, I want to take you through an exercise this morning. Those of you who are regulars here, you know we often have this time of, of just praying and talking and listening to God and, and bearing our hearts before him and coming clean about the ways that we've deafened our ears or, or turned away. And we put together a, a sort of prayer here today that I want you to read right now. And as I talk, just read it for yourself. So the words become a little familiar. We've drawn it all out of this letter to the Hebrews. It comes from chapter 3. It's one of these pertinent, just amazing points where the author is crying out again and again, listen, listen, don't miss it. Don't miss it like those who went before you did. Don't miss it. Hear what God is saying. And now that you've got it, if you want, what I want to invite you to do is just pray it. Pray it with me today because I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. That these words are far too true for this guy right here. So I want to invite you to rise. And i uh, we need to kind of like warm up. We need to stretch because we don't want you pulling something in this prayer. Um, take about 60 seconds right now and just, you know how to do this. Do it in your own way. Just maybe find some personal space. Close your eyes. Just, just come, you and God, you know? You and God. Ask for help in listening. Tell him things that are burning, that are shouting in your soul or even maybe talk to him about the dryness that might be there. Seek him for questions you have that are burning or just the desire to hear his voice anew. Whatever you gotta say, it's up to you, but let's just take a minute or two and pray. Holy Spirit, we have heard your voice, but we have hardened our hearts as we did during our time of testing in the wilderness, where our fathers tested and tried you and for 40 years saw the work of your hand. We have unbelieving hearts that turn away from you, our living God. We are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do not be angry with us. Though our hearts are always go astray and we have not known your ways, forgive us and give us faith. May we share in Christ, hold firmly to the end, and enter your rest. Amen. How does Hebrews put it? It'll say things like this, that we have a great high priest who has gone before us into the heavens who has gone before us behind the veil into the throne room of God and intercedes for us, who by his blood paid the price once and for all, the sacrifice once and for all for the hardness of heart, the thickness of skin, the deceitfulness that's found within. One who is like us in every way so knows what it's like to be in our skin and yet was without sin which is just Hebrews long complicated way of saying this you can approach God with confidence and boldness knowing you are forgiven knowing you are in his grace knowing he loves you knowing that as many times as you've missed or turned away from what he has had to say, he welcomes you to him today. Revel in that.